Puis... See, uh, in school, I always used to volunteer to go first so I wouldn't have to follow something like that. Man, that was awesome. That was great. So, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is the time of year I know when uh, a lot of questions get asked, right? Like, what's your New Year's resolutions? Right? Those are, that's a common question. Or, or what, what's your favorite part about last year? What's your favorite part about 2015? Um, or what, do you have any great vacations coming up in 2016? Um, but I have for you just one question I want to ask today. Did you get it? Are you ready for a war? Are you ready for a war? How come Pastor William Wallace got everybody jumping up and screaming? And, uh, are you ready for a war? You have to know you don't have to wear a kilt, but that's yeah. Are you ready for a war? Yeah, it's a great question. But before you answer. Let me share a true story with you. This is a true story of a guy that was in a war. And you probably don't know this story already. You may not know him. His name is Sergeant Jeffrey Struker. You don't know him, but you know his story because Hollywood made a movie out of this story. It's called Black Hawk Down. Have you seen that movie? Great movie. But this is his story. And, and, and I think it's an awesome story because Hollywood didn't tell the whole story. So today I get to share the whole story with you. So, so the story that Hollywood showed you was he was part of a battalion, part of a group of army rangers, and he was sent in to either capture or kill the enemy in Somalia. And he drove a team of Humvees, military vehicles, and he went in there and he was called to go in and rescue somebody who'd been injured, a fellow soldier who'd been, who'd been injured in the, in the battle. So he went in there with his team, and they surrounded the building, and, and they were able to, to, to retrieve this individual who'd been injured and put him on a stretcher and then put the stretcher up on the Humvee and strap it to the Humvee. And then he slowly drove, he said, 15 to 20 miles an hour because he didn't want to injure the soldier, trying to avoid the potholes and get him back to base. And then this is what happened, he said. Turning a corner, the entire city erupted with gunfire. We were being shot at from a hundred different directions. It seemed like from rooftops, from alleyways, from doorways and windows. There were rocket-propelled grenades, automatic gunfire from AK-47s from 20 to 30 feet away. I thought I was going to die in the moment. But then I remembered I was in charge and needed to get myself and my unit under control if we were going to get out of here. After he got back to base, he slumped on his Humvee and he said, God, I can't believe I survived that. I can't believe anybody survived that. But then he got the call. An army helicopter had gone down, and he needed to go back and rescue that person as well. He was said, I'm totally certain I'm going to die. And every fiber of my being is saying, no, Jeff, don't do this. If you go back out there, you're going to be killed. And if you take your men back out there, there'll be ten more body bags in the morning. Are you ready for a war? Right now, you're probably thinking no, right? Because you're thinking, if I say yes to I'm ready for a war, 
in the morning, there's going to be 10 more body bags, right? Because we're looking back at 2015, right? And we're thinking, man, that was a war. For a lot of us, it was a war. For a lot of us, it was an emotional war. I don't know about you, but that's the way it was with our household. It was an emotional roller coaster last year. Some of you, it might have been financial. Some of you, it might have been health-related. Some of you, it might have been job-related or lack of job-related. But it was a war. So I say, are you ready for a war? And you're thinking, no thanks. Not me. But before you answer, let's see what God's Word has to say. So will you join me in prayer before we dig into God's Word? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your truth, Lord, because right now we seek your truth, Lord. So we step into this new year, Father God, we want nothing more than to know you more. So Lord, open up your word to us today. Speak into our hearts, Father God. We want to hear what you have to say to us, Father God. Will you speak to us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus? Amen. So, you ready for a war? You ready to make a decision? Let's do it. I got one going with me. See, you can't say you're not part of the war because guess what? You are part of the war. And it's not a battle whether you know it or not. It's not that battle with your spouse and it's not that battle with your kids or your neighbors or your bank account or the doctor. It's a spiritual war. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you signed up for that war. It's a war between God and Satan. It's a spiritual war. So here's a better question. Are you ready for victory in that war in 2016? Because if you are, here's what we need to know. To be victorious, and this is item number one on your handout, you need to possess knowledge. Knowledge. No, 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 not the kind of knowledge you're thinking of. Because when I say you need to possess knowledge, we start thinking about, okay, my problem is that person... And maybe if I'm nicer to that person and kinder to that person, maybe that will resolve that relationship. And and yeah, that's great. That's good. Please do that. Or maybe it's your bank account balance. Maybe if I budgeted better, if I had that knowledge, maybe my bank account statement would look a little better. That's good. Yeah, do that. But that's not the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. Or maybe if I ate better and exercised more, Maybe that whole health thing would work itself out. Yeah, that's good, but that's not the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. Here's the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. This is what David said in 1 Samuel 17. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace of his taunting from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? Did you catch the key words here? The key words here are, who is this? Who is this? Who is this who taunts the armies of the living God? Did you catch that? Who is this? Let me put it into your life. Who is this who taunts you? Who is this who says to you, it's not possible? Who is this? 
Impossible for who? Impossible for God? Not my God. Now, did David have all the knowledge of how to be a soldier? No. He was a shepherd. Remember? He was a shepherd boy. Did he have any knowledge of the weaponry that they wanted to give him? No. In fact, he refused it. He put it away. But he knew something because he said, who is this? When everyone else was afraid to battle Goliath, David said, who is this? Let's look further in that chapter. This is what it says. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with sword or with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. Can I translate that into your world? This is you talking to the enemy. You come to me with a doctor's report or a bank balance statement or any other number of lies, but I stand here before you in the name of the Lord. Who is this? that comes against me and my God. You can say that. You have the power of God in you. Who is this who wants to taunt you and taunt your world? Remember Sergeant Struker from the beginning of the story? When we left the story, he was trying to decide whether or not to go back into the battlefield. He was afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Are you afraid right now as you look forward into 2016? This is what he said. I was totally, completely certain that I was going to die. But then he remembered something. He said, then I remembered that I was an army ranger. And an army ranger never leaves a fallen comrade. And he said, and then I remembered that God was with me. Both Sergeant Struker and David had the same knowledge. They both knew who they were in God. Do you know who you are in Christ? Most of us don't. You want to know why you don't know who you are in Christ? Because you don't know your word. No, you don't. You think you know it, but you don't know your word. Oh, yeah, I read it once in a while. Yeah, I know you read it once in a while, but you don't know your word. Let's do a little test. Let's see how well you know your word. Here's the first verse. Where is this from? It's in the, Bi- it's in the Bible. Yes, it is. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, it's in the Bible. See, you don't know your Bible. If you knew your Bible, you would know this. I'll get you on a scripture. Here it is. First Americanians, 1776. That's right. We're Americans. We do it ourselves, right? We don't need anybody's help, but if we do the work, God will help us. It's not in the Bible, is it? No, but we hear it all the time. First time I heard this was actually in an old, old movie called The Poseidon Adventure. You ever heard of that movie? It's about a cruise ship that turns upside down and they have to fight their way out to, to survive. And at the very beginning, on a beautiful sunny day, the pastor's preaching a sermon on the deck of the ship. 
And he says to the, to the congregation, God helps those who help themselves. And he looks at the little girl and he goes, isn't that right? But it's not in the Bible at all, is it? Not that you're a little girl. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, when the Israelites were backed up against the Red Sea and, and, the, and the chariots of the Pharaoh were coming at them, when they were surrounded, God didn't have them build boats, did he? No, this is what it says in Exodus 14. It says, the Lord will fight your battle. You only need to be still. How about this next verse? Where is it in the Bible? This too shall pass. Come on, it's in there. It's in a little known book. Yes, probably one you haven't read. Sounds like Proverbs, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of a little. What, what, what verse is this in? Wisdomonious 4.11. Yes. Yes, this too shall pass, but it's not really true, is it? I mean, we kind of feel like it will. You know, over time, things will kind of go away. But they don't always, do they? I mean, let's take a look at Paul. Paul, come on. Paul. When Paul asked Jesus for something, don't you think Jesus would like say, sure, Paul, after all the work you've done for me? Absolutely. But Paul wanted that thorn in his flesh to be removed. And what did he say? But Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, says Paul, about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Sure, God will give us comfort. And God will give us joy, but it never says anywhere in the Bible that this too shall pass. But we believe it because we don't know our word. What's the third one? Oh, I love this one. Yea, verily, God wants you to be happy. Yea, verily. This is one of my favorite. This, a lot of us like, actually like this book in the Bible. We don't even know it's there. What's the verse? Yeah, Oprah one one. Yes, Oprah. It's right there in the beginning of Oprah one one. Yes, yeah. God wants us to be happy, doesn't He? Oh, I used to think that all the time. In fact, I probably said that to people. You deserve it. God wants you to be happy. But it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. He gives us His joy, right? But joy and happiness are two different things. God's joy is so much greater. Because it lasts forever. We're here to praise God. We're here to seek His will. We were created for a relationship with Him. But He didn't create us to make us happy. This is how Paul puts it. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. How about this one here? If you work hard enough, you'll be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that one, Gary? Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, I saw you raise your hand on that one, yeah. Where is this in the Bible? Yeah, yeah, second jobs, yeah. It's actually uh, two jobs, nine to five, get it? Nine to five, yeah. 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 So, so is, hard work, is hard work good? Yeah, hard work's great. In fact, the Bible talks about working hard, doesn't it? But it doesn't link the two together. It doesn't say if you work hard, you'll get rich. 
It doesn't say if you work hard, you'll be successful. In fact, Paul even condemns people that don't work hard, doesn't he? But it doesn't tie the two together. Okay, one more. Love this one. Just follow your heart and believe, and you can do anything. I love this part in the Bible. This is my favorite. This is my favorite book. You probably don't know about this one either. What's this one? Song of Disney, 2016. Song of Disney, yes. Yes. Uh, It's not in the Bible either, is it? Yes. See, we're meant to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, not follow our hearts and just believe. As great as that sounds, long before David was king, it was prophesied that he would be king. So David didn't follow his heart to the throne of Israel. He followed his God along the path that God had already laid out for him. God gives us passions and uses our lives to prepare us for his purposes. Just as he prepared David during this time as a shepherd and a soldier and a court musician. was all lined up to make him king. But it only works when we completely surrender to God's leading. And it only works when we possess knowledge, the knowledge of who God is, who we are in Christ, and what God's Word says. Read His Word. So number one, we have to possess knowledge. And number two on your handout, you have to be obedient. I know, it's a killer. This one kills for a lot of us. You have to be obedient. Look at the obedience of Gideon in Judges 7. All conquer the Midianites with these 300, the Lord told Gideon, send all the others home. So after Gideon had collected all the clay jars and trumpets they had with them, he sent them home, leaving only 300 men with him. During the night, with the Midianites camped in the valley just below, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, take your troops, and attack the Midianites, for I will cause you to defeat them. In what area of your life Is God asking you right now to be obedient? Because here's the thing. It's not always going to make sense. It's not always going to make sense. See, it didn't make sense when God took all the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the place where there was water and food and shelter, and sent them into the desert. Hundreds of thousands of people into a place with no food and no water and no shelter. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense when King Saul failed and Samuel was chosen by God to go find another king. Doesn't make sense that Samuel chose David. Because David wasn't even thought about in the greater picture by his father. People want to follow the strongest, wisest man, don't they? Didn't make sense when the Israelites were in exile and in trouble for a young winner of a beauty pageant named Esther, to save everyone. Doesn't make sense. Women in the king's harem were powerless, almost prisoners. So how could a trapped woman do anything to save anyone? See, when everything makes sense, we tend to take the credit. So over and over, God puts his people, you and me, into situations where there's only one possible thing they could do. They had to be obedient, and they have to trust God. See, of course, there's no food and water in the desert. That's why God wanted them to rely on him to provide the manna. Of 
course, it makes no sense to pick David from his appearance. But God doesn't judge us from the outside. He judges us from the inside. And it makes no sense for an imprisoned teenage girl to be given the responsibility of saving a nation. But God can do anything through anyone. Even you, even me. Anything. And yet that's what God does. What God does doesn't always make sense. But all he wants you to do is be obedient and trust him. And this makes the most perfect sense of all. I don't know who said this, but I love it. The only thing harder than being obedient and trusting God is wishing you had. The only thing harder than being obedient and trusting God is wishing you had. You have to possess knowledge and you have to be obedient. Are you ready for a war now? And finally, number three, you have to take action. You have to take action. What kind of action can you take? Because you have to take action. Here's an example from the book of Daniel. So when King Darius signed the law, but through, though Daniel knew about it, he went home and knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs bedroom, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day, just as he always had, giving thanks to God. Then the men thronged to Daniel's house and found him praying there, asking favors of his God. So Daniel, despite knowing it was against the law to pray and might cost him his life, he prayed anyway. Sergeant Struker, despite knowing that he might die, went anyway. But maybe you're more like me. Maybe you put yourself in the cowardly section. You're not that brave. You don't want to risk your life. So what kind of action can you take? Well, let me give you some ideas. You could pray. Yeah, I, I could tell you all kinds of answered prayers this year at LifeSpring. Yeah. I could tell you about answered prayers within life groups, and I could tell you about answered prayers as a corporate body. We could go around the room and pass the mic, and you would hear answered prayer after answered prayer. But your situation's different, isn't it? So prayer, I don't know. I don't think it's really going to work for me. My situation's kind of beyond prayer. Okay. I could ask you to read his word, because I know how much power is in his word. I can give you a personal testimony, and I could call up person after person, and they could give you testimony about the power of his word, about how this has changed their lives. But you're you're kind of busy, right? So don't really have time to read his word. Okay. So what kind of action can you take? Well, what did Sergeant Struker do? Well, after counseling a large number of comrades shaken by death, Struker knew God had something greater for him. Greater than, and this is his quote, not mine, greater than kicking in doors and slinging lead at the enemy. So he became a chaplain for his ranger division. So you could become a pastor? No? Not not for you? Okay. Okay. 
So then will you at least do this? And I can call the worship team up at any time they'd like to come up. Will you at least do this for me? Will you realize something? That's all I want you to do today. Just realize something. Later today, when you're by yourself, tonight, when you're alone, I want you to just realize something. This is what Sergeant Struker said. He said, before that night, he said, I thought you could transform the world through military prowess and national power. But I realized something in Mogadishu, Somalia. And this is what he realized. And this is what I'm asking you to realize today, too. This is what he discovered. There is only one force great enough to transform the world, and it is the Holy Spirit of the living God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Let me say it again, because I want you to give it some thought this afternoon. There is only one force great enough to transform the world, and it is the Holy Spirit of the living God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever you're going through, that same force can transform your life as well. And if you'd like it, it's available to you today. Do you want victory in 2016? You're only going to find it in Jesus Christ. And I know Dan did this earlier, but I'm going to do it again. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to give your life to him right now, I'd love to give you that opportunity. And all you've got to do is raise your hand. And I won't embarrass you or call you up or ask you to speak. Just raise your hand because we would love to pray with you and we would love to celebrate with you. So if there's anybody here. So if there's anybody here who wants victory in 2016, let's pray for that. Let's pray that Jesus Christ is more in our lives than ever before. And if you'd like prayer after service, I would love to pray with you. So let's just bow our heads and let's just lift this up to the Lord. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We just celebrate with you, Lord. Lord, forgive us when we look to the world to to answer our problems, Father God. Forgive us when we try to do it ourselves, Father God. Forgive us, Father God, when we expect you to make us happy, Father. Lord, we just want to surrender to you this morning. We want to surrender our hurts and our hopes and our fears and our doubts. We just want to surrender all of that to you, Father God. So, Lord, will you come into our lives once again, Father God? Lord, will you be with us in the hard times, Father God? Will you be with us in the great times, Lord? Lord, we just seek more of you, Father God. Help us, Father God, to draw close to you. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus.